Hi friends, I'm Adrienne File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 13 years, 12 good ones, and we have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was five, and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and real estate team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day, and we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. Hello, friends. Good morning. <laughs> we are so excited to have a guest with us today. We have Asher Gottesman, and he has a podcast called Showing Up with Asher G. Definitely check it out. Um, Asher has been spending his life, the last latest part of his life, I suppose, um, just showing up for people. And Asher, we just want to ask you, why don't you introduce why don't you introduce yourself and let us know what does showing up mean for you? Such a great question. So good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. And the real question is, I, I know you told me beforehand about the 12 good years. <laughs> I really want to know how Adrian, you didn't kick his ass out of the house. So oh, we'll we, give it a couple uh, of But uh, we'll, yeah, we'll go true. there. And, you know, but, and I'm sure the listeners every day want to know if the 12 good years, what, what led to the 12 good years, or maybe it could be the laughter that's the sucky year. So um, <laughs> we can make some jokes about it. But um, showing up to me is my entire life, uh, my greatest challenge in, in the, I guess, the story behind my addiction. So Drugs and alcohol have been a huge part of my life, and they were my solution. They weren't my problem, right? They were a shorter-term solution to a longer-term problem. Um, my problem was me. And what do I mean by me? And once I was really identified what the problem was, was if you really knew me, you'd leave me because you would find out that I'm the piece of shit that I believe I really am. I hope I'm a lot of curse on the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Um, that I'm the piece of shit that I believe that I, that I am. You'd find that out. So I spent my entire existence saying to you what I think you would want or doing for you what you would want, then resenting you for not giving me what I never asked for. Um, and that, you know, so it was, it was a story from, from, from early childhood through, I guess, um, recovery. So I'm not going to say I got sober and that changed that that's been a, over the last 10 year process. So showing up for me is the process of falling in love with myself, knowing that the best version of me is just me. And if you love me for me, then I, then I'm, then, then that's all I can ever ask for. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then you're obviously not meant to be in my life. And what you think of me is none of my business. It's really what I think of me. So how do I show up on a daily basis being me? How do I be vulnerable and share my struggles? How do I be vulnerable and share who I am? How do I be vulnerable and not be afraid of the things I'm afraid to share with you because you may not like me? And, and, and to learn that that's okay. Hmm. See, to me, it was always, if you didn't like me, then I wasn't likable. Yeah. And so today, it's if you don't like me, on my bad days, it's still I'm unlikable, no question about it. It's a process, right? I'm, I'm a human being. Yet today, if you don't like me, I work to say that's, that's okay. That's you, right? And that's not necessarily me. Today, the real question is, do I like me, right? Do I like my choices? And then the other part of showing up is how do I show up and make the changes in my life I want to make without 
shaming myself into making them. So it's not, I'm a bad dude. It's I'm a good dude that made some bad decisions. That's awesome. This is why I'm so, <laughs> I, this is why I'm so excited for this. I am because I, I that hard, uh, so often people always ask us, love the process. Like what, you know, just as you just define showing up, as we define love the process, the, it's exactly the way you've just described it is, is my hope for our audiences. Like that's my hope that people can go, it's not the, and you said this in, in I think your trailer, you talked about it's not the results. We think it's about the results. We're trained to believe it's the results. It's not the results, right? Um, it's about the process and, and, and showing up is the way you define you know, really the process of just showing up and focusing there as opposed to all these other places that we could spend our time and attention. Right, absolutely. And I think the greatest gift somebody can give to me is showing up. Because they, if they just show up and listen to me in a loving way, in a curious way, in a non-judgmental way, that there's no greater gift for me, at least. That's why um, everybody loves Adrian. So I just, you know, and <laughs> I, I think, you know, because so often when we enter a conversation, you know, I can only speak for myself. I, I've witnessed it in others, but I'll speak for myself is we're already thinking of the response before you even finish your first sentence. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not listening, mm -hmm. right? Right, that's proving a point. That's, our, I don't even know what you want to call that. Showing up is just sitting there, no judgment, listen. Worst case scenario, you may have to change your mind. You may learn something new. Your sentence <laughs> oh my God, it's hell. I'll tell you, when we that's came That's why showing up, that's why it's such a good <laughs> I'll tell you, when we came, a couple from our team at ProStar came and, and met with Asher, I, I want to say it was in, in January of this year, and uh, he, he practiced he practiced then what you're talking about now. Uh, everybody left that time. Shoot, I think we, we made Metal World Peace wait an extra minute or two, and, I, <laughs> a little, and then I shook his hand, and I felt like he, I, my pan got swallowed up. And, uh, you, you know, but, but you did. You made everybody in that meeting was really uh, inspired um, by you showing up and your authenticity. And I think that's contagious. So, yeah, thank so. you. Okay. In your, um, all right, in your trailer, in your little welcome thing on your podcast, do you have a quote? <laughs> Don't buy the lies. Your mind is selling. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Why did you elaborate? So, as I said, my struggle was that I, I believed I was a piece of crap. And I actually heard at a meeting, um, somebody said, that it, was, it was profound and simple. And he said, I always believed I was a piece of crap. And therefore, I had to prove it to myself. Mm -hmm. So my actions were just further confirmation of that. Um, and so when we buy the lies we're selling, very often it gives us permission to behave in a way that doesn't that doesn't fit with our soul right and then we need the drugs and alcohol to comfort us because to cover up the pain in our soul um, so you know very often we some but we were born into this world all of us as artists as CEOs as basketball players whatever you want to be just whatever that that is and at some point in time somebody told us that that's that we're not that good whether it's you were singing 
in front of your family at three years old and somebody in the audience said, I think you should be listening to music, not really singing that, you know, maybe you should get some lessons. And all we heard at that point in time is we suck. So we stopped singing mm-hmm. or we're playing, we're playing piano and they say, oh, you're pretty good, but don't ever think you could be a professional, right? Or you're playing basketball and they're like, oh, you're five foot tall, you're never going to make it to the NBA. Uh, whether that's true or not, right? It's the story then we start telling ourselves is we're not that good. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are lies. Mm-hmm. Right, because I truly believe that Eve, every single one of us have been put onto this earth with a unique gift that only we have and we can bring to the world. And therefore, actually, we need all of us. Right, and that's right. So then the lies we tell ourselves is uh, a lie I told myself and I was told is I'm Jewish, therefore, how can I assimilate and deal with other people who don't understand my struggle, right? Or I'm black and Therefore, I have a different color than you. Now, that doesn't mean I don't recognize the color. And it doesn't mean that I don't have different struggles in me. But it means that we do share humanity. You know? And so these stor- the lies are these, our belief system that tells us, you know, either prevents us from being the real us. It tells us that we should not try. It um, keeps us from achieving our dreams and our goals. It, it, it. Uh, it won't let us take risk, right? I mean, ultimately, it prevents us from living a life of vulnerability, and which is in truth courage, right? When you talked, when you talk courage, you talk. I remember you saying victims into victors, and that yeah. really struck a chord with me. And and then and then, so how do you? Here's my question. You know, I all the time I get kids uh, and and adults alike and who. They say things like, I'm not, I can't, you know, these, these self-limiting thoughts and ideas that somehow were put in, on them, on them on itself, right? The bullshit that your brain is telling yourself. What is one of the best ways, I, I think, to tell a story of victors versus victims, like that we've all had shit that we've gone through, right? We've all had shit that are difficult uh, to work through, or et cetera. But what is it, what is like, you know, how do you help people help themselves to go, hey, you know what, I get to tell the story. Because I know that I get to tell the story. I know that, but I really have a heart to translate that notion, right? To translate that to others. What is kind of like, what have you found to be the best, you know, I mean, maybe different with every person, you know, if you go up and listen, but um, does that make sense? No, it's a great question. And what I found is, Firstly, sitting with somebody and allowing them to t- have their story. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Don't change their story. Mm-hmm. And acknowledge their pain. And validate their pain. Don't invalidate it. Don't say, that's not a big deal. You know, or if this only this happened to you, you know, or Joe had it so much worse. Or the worst thing you can say to somebody is, I've been there. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know your pain. Bullshit. You don't know my pain ever. Okay? You may know your own pain in a given situation. Right? But it diminishes someone's story when you say that to them. So that's number one. Once you do that and you acknowledge the pain, then you could ask them first, say, are you open to me sharing how I dealt with my pain? Right? 
They yeah. may say yes, they may say no, and if they say no, respect the no. Yeah. And then you, if they say no, you let them know. Listen, here's the story. When you're, if you're ready, or when you're ready, I'm always here. And if you're not, I'm still here. So there's no judgment in it. And because very often, let's go back to victimhood. We are victims, right? Certain things have happened to us beyond our control. Certain things have happened to us that should not happen to human beings, you know, and, and are horrible. So not to say that they're not victims, whether it's from genocide, from war, from rape, for, I mean, hor abandonment, whatever your pain is, that's real pain, right? So acknowledge that pain. And, not but, and, because that pain is there, unfortunately, it's not going to help you to hold on to that pain. So the question is, what can I do with that pain? and utilize it to give a reason to that to that story right how do i change it from victim to victor and the reason it's victim to victor is because that part of my story is going to make me who i am that's good I, if i don't utilize that pain to turn it into something then i have no reason for that pain for me if I didn't use my story of negative thinking, suicidal ideation, suicidal plans, self-destruction, devastation to be able to be there with others, there would be no good reason for that story. I love that. Can you give context? I mean, I, I think Adrian's probably heard your story. I've, I've heard it and was very moved by it. You know, can you give context to, because you have a, a very powerful victim Victor's story, and I think everybody's is different, obviously. Um, but can you give our audience a, kind of some of that background? You know, so I'll the, give you I'll give you the twenty thousand foot view because yeah, 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 the early two thousands you know, to, to to kind of today, even you know. Sure. So the bottom line was, youngest in my family, abandonment issues from a very young age, and again, it's not what my parents did; it was how I experienced it. So I'm no longer in the blame game of them. It's just. They're them and every and I as a parent, right? We do our best job to fuck up our children. So, um, you know, not, you know, so, uh, you know, it's like well, there's no guidebook, there's no rules, right? We try our best. We give them love and affection and kindness and show up for them, and still it may work or it may not work. So, That's really, important. I just get out of the way. Hey, God, God, stop blaming yourself for everything that's happened in you in yours and your children's life. Just stop it, man. Amen. That's the victim mentality, right? Amen. So, but I did. And yeah, I want to say, but I did for many years. I also, for many years, abandonment was my issue. I had what other people would look as a fairy tale childhood. So I judged myself for that too, right? How can I feel so shitty if only I was raped, if only I was abandoned and left in a jungle for, for months, you know, not fed, put in a cage. I mean, literally, these were the stories that I was asking to have had. Found drugs and alcohol, found food, found binging, let's call it that. And that was my solution. To the extent that I also then found making money as a solution. Then between 05 and 08, I lost everything. And um, I actually um, had, uh, you know, bought life insurance with the intent to take my life. Um, 
little problem is you got to wait two years. <laughs> to yeah. so, so, uh, otherwise, it doesn't pay. Right? There's a contestability period, Mr. Insurance Man. Right? I was on the test. Yeah. So, um, and which was the gift that got me into recovery, um, you know, and allowed me to deal with my own story. So, um, and then I got into, I, you know, you know, make a, a long story a little shorter. Um, I got into recovery instead of doing the ultimate um, short-term solution to long-term problems. Sorry, you know, um, uh, yeah, the ultimate short-term solution to longer-term problems. Um, or actually made a temper uh, made, making a permanent decision for a temporary problem is probably a better way of describing that. Right. And um, yet it was my escape. It saved my life. You know, it allowed me to go through that period, that really dark period of time of bankruptcy, of financial ruin, of who knows what, of complete uncertainty. It allowed me to navigate those waters because I always knew that in 24 months, in 23 months, in 22 months, I don't, I have a way off this merry-go-round. It's only recently that I gave up all my fantasies, so, which is a, a topic for a different um, podcast, but because I can go into that, because we all use fantasies to allow us to avoid dealing with our pain, which is unavoidable. Just depends when we'll, when we'll deal with it. Hmm. Yet, so then all this happened, and I ended up, when I was nine months sober, by the guidance of a rabbi and some wonderful people, opening up Transcend Recovery Community. And Transcend is given to me more than to anybody else. And I think the story will sum up who I am. I'm the son of an Orthodox rabbi. And at this, my son's bar mitzvah, I turned to my dad. Um, for those listeners who don't know what a bar mitzvah is, it's a, basically a baptism at 13. Let's call it that. You become a man. And now you're responsible for all your own. You're all your own sins. God, your parents are, no, are off the hook. Okay. <laughs> basically, in, in summation, right? Um, we don't we we don't have a deity that lets us off the hook, so we gotta we gotta blame our parents and then blame ourselves. <laughs> you know, you know, we all got our stories, man, right? So <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, for those who don't like me making fun of religion, sorry, whatever. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know. I watched the Book of Mormon and I was like, they should just make a book of Moses too. Like, whatever, man. We all believe crazy stuff. And God bless. Let's just continue to believe crazy stuff. It's okay. Right? Just don't take it so seriously. Okay. Back to, I said to my dad my entire life that I ran away from you because I didn't want to be religious because of you. And I didn't want to not be religious in case you were right. And little did I know you, you, you would be my greatest teacher. And you gave unconditional love to Jewish youth. And I get the privilege of giving that to people who suffer. Mm. I'll get into it in a second to explain why it's unconditional love. A year late, he passed about a year and a half later, a year later. And I was speaking and I actually had an epiphany and I changed the whole thing. And I said, Dad, you received unconditional love from Jewish youth and I receive it from people who suffer. And what I mean by that is it, it, it starts to give my story meaning, right? That suffering, that struggle, you know, the fact that I, all my peers that were in those days that survived that 
that Dan Fall are now, I don't know, 10 times, 100 times, or 1,000 times wealthier than I am. In my low points, I was like, oh, my God, had I just not been so stupid, I'd be there and life would be amazing. Um, knowing that that's a lie even and still buying that lie. Okay, so, um, and at times I still buy that lie. Yet, when I get to be there with somebody else, it gives meaning to that story. And I get, you know, as corny as it sounds, I get as much out of it, if not more out of it than you do, um, whoever the you is. And so that's why it's unconditional love, because it's, it's, it's not when I'm doing transcend for a living. It's really not. It's when I'm doing transcend for a non-living, uh, right? It's when I'm sitting there with somebody and just listening to their story and being with them with no expectation of return or repayment from them, that we are both equally receiving and equally giving, which is truly form of unconditional, right? There's no remuneration whatsoever. I mean, there's the greatest form of remuneration is feeding the soul. and. Um, and truthfully, it was in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous that I felt for the first time in my life, I was in a spiritual room. Because nobody knew my dad. There was no religious person telling me to be there. There was no rabbi. There was no conflict of priest, rabbi, Islam, Muslim. It was a room full of people just trying to get better no matter what their background was. Mm. And that, to me, there's no greater form of spirituality. And I think, ultimately, that's all that God wants from us, right? God, and I call him God, because I think we all pray to the same guy, right? At the end of the day, we're all going to find out. Um, we're all going to find out that we all pray to the same God. And all he wants from us is to be loving and treating of our children and his children in a kind way. That's all he wants. You know, and, and as long as you use religion, any religion for that matter, to treat love God's children with loving kindness, you got it right. Any, across the board, go to church, go to synagogue, I don't care, just whatever, or no religion for that matter. As long as you're using your powers to treat his children with loving kindness, you got it, you win. That's awesome. Today you use it to yep. separate your, to separate yourself from others, to harm others, yep. to exclude others. You lost. So Adrian and, and Brooklyn were in a conference, a Hollis conference in uh, what month was that? Probably November. So I have, I have all four of the kids, and uh, I've like watched uh, I watched church online. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. But our seven year old's like, Hey, Daddy, could we go to could we go to church somewhere? And I'm like, well, I'm either, okay, my seven-year-old wants to go to church. I'm going to find a church. So I Google local churches. I show up at this church called North Shore Community Church, non-denominational church. I'm late. I'm trying to check all four kids. I haven't been to this place in a long time. They don't know me. It's packed. I walk in. I sit next to it. I still remember it to this day. I sit next to this fat guy. And I mean, we are tied in there. The first thing I hear is the guy says, uh, and I'm halfway through this. He says, uh, I believe that 12-step uh, recovery groups around the nation 
are far advanced to most of the pertinent aspects of the gospel in the churches. And I'm like, huh. And I sat right up. And then I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying there. And, and just this idea of love unconditionally is really what I've, I've heard you kind of outline. And, 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 I, and getting to that place of vulnerability and where there's no, there's no hierarchy, mm. right? There's no, hey, the elder. <laughs> there's no chairman of the board. You know, there's no, oh, that's, uh, that's Jimmy. He's, uh, you know, part of Now, maybe, maybe a little bit of that can form out of camaraderie, et cetera. But, uh, but man, is, that's an encouraging thought. And then the other thing that you said that I really eat in on um, was my grandfather. He was a pastor. They did a, like 11 churches in nine cities at USS Colorado. He, he met Jesus and just went a 180, you know, put down the whiskey and picked up the Bible. And, and that's what he did for 59 years after he got out of World War II. And um, he had six kids, and I was uh, six of six. And my mom was, sorry. But he said to me in 03, he goes, hey, Johnny. He goes, we don't have a great history of drinking well in this family. My <laughs> suggestion is to figure out whether or not you can drink successfully. <laughs> and if you find you can, maybe get some help. And so what I recognize in that next four years, so he died four days later in his sleep, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, and I did my first job. I take him to a lunch. Gramps, I got it. He had his 85th birthday. Everybody was there. Grandma is very grandma. And uh, so I put in four years of really, really, really good research. And uh, that first year, that year that, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, that was the first year of marriage that was rough because of me. But the thing you mentioned that really hit me was the solution. I could recognize that. I remember watching this late night talk, not problem, but alcohol wasn't my problem, it was my solution. And, and that had become a hell of a problem, <laughs> mind you. But I remember watching uh, this late night talk show guy, I'm trying to remember his name, and it's on YouTube, but the guy says, uh, he says, I was going to kill myself. And he was, the reason was he's tired. He said, I'm going to not make fun of Britney Spears and uh, Lindsay Lohan anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to make fun of them anymore. And he says his story. He had 15 years of sobriety uh, like that last weekend. And the guy said, uh, he says, uh, I was going to kill myself. I was going to jump off the London Bridge. And uh, he, he then decides, now, you know, I'm going to go see Ernie the barkeeper or whatever before I do. And, and the guy says to him, where are you going? He goes, oh, I didn't want to bring him down and say, I'm going to go kill myself. And so he goes, well, I got to get home, you know. And, and Ernie had slept the night before. He didn't say, he's got a problem. But, you know, he goes, I knew I, I was done. And he said, well, why don't you have a glass of sherry before you leave? And he goes, so I did. And then that night I got drunk. And he goes, and I forgot to kill myself. And I, and, and I go, huh. And he goes, and it was when that morning, that next morning, I realized that it was, it kept me alive. It was like, it was my, it was my solution. So I love that. Uh, I could, I could recognize that. And that probably is. Was that guy Ferguson? Craig Ferguson? Yes, that's the guy. Craig Ferguson. Late night. And it's a great clip. And, uh, and he just he just goes, I don't think the producers knew he was gonna do it. He just felt this sense of duty. 
you know? Right. Funny dude. Is he? Yeah. And so he's probably down in your neck of the woods. I don't know where he is. He's not my buddy. I have watched him a few times, and I knew he was in recovery, and I put the London thing together. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'll just send you, I'll send you a clip. But anyway, so, so then the other question, um, I love this uh, story, is uh, what's current? What's going on currently? Uh, Transcend, I got a chance to be in one of your homes uh, in, in L.A., and, and I told you before we, we started the podcast that, that I was humbled uh, by – the love level and, and, and you know love is something you you can people can sniff it out you know you recognize real authentic useful helpful and that's what i saw there so so i'd be curious to hear how that's going and how do they think or transcend us in la as well as texas and is that still yeah la new york and houston texas and about a year ago I personally um, stepped down as CEO, and I'm now the chairman. I felt that I wanted it to be run more clinically, and also I wanted a separation of church and state between ownership. I also wanted to start sharing my story under different platforms and doing more individual work with people and figure out what's next and how we do it. I'm still immensely involved and personally involved, and my soul is still really, really connected. Um, yet I knew, and that's an important part of showing up for oneself. I knew that I took it to here and someone else is going to take it from you. And it was hard. Don't get me wrong. In the beginning it was real hard. You know, it's my baby. Um, you know, and I let my baby go to college, so to say, you know, so, you know, you know. So how's that been for Transcend and how's that been for you personally this last year? Because I remember you were just kind of in a transition when I was um, You know, it, it, some days great, some days horrible and, you know, like a normal life. And, um, and it's, it, it, you know, it, it's, I know that on the other side, it's going to be amazing. So I manifested it. I knew that it wasn't right at that before. I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. And I leaned into it. And I think that's the greatest message. You don't have to have the answer. Right? If you are in a space that you want something different in your life, lean into it. Create it. You're not going to necessarily have control out of it. Control. It'll come. Just be patient. Lean into it. Believe in it. Know you can do it, and then it'll 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 play itself out. Well, and, and then and then you got to be willing to take the risk. Yeah, right. And let go. That's the thing that you mentioned too. You know, I think so. I was watching uh, somebody last night. Uh, sales guy talking about changing current state, and and one of the things was like this analogy of of holding on to, uh, you know, like my laptop. I was joking with Adrian. I'm like, oh my, if it doesn't if it doesn't work. I might just throw it out the window because I know at least once it's on the floor in a bunch of pieces, I got to find, I'm going to find, I'm going to go get a new one that operates and functions. That's probably not the healthiest way to do this, but the concept is similar where I have to be willing to let go of what I current, my current situation in order to 
lean in and go towards, show up for something greater. You know, that sure seems to be my friends. I, I have a hard time if I don't let go. And that, so how do you, you know, because there's a lot of people listening. We talk about love the process. So a lot of people in different places in their processes. Um, there's a lot of people listening who would love to have some sense of how, one, how you knew, you know, uh, but two, what can be, you know, indicators and, and kind of cues for their own life, for their own Sadness, dissatisfaction, yeah. gut. You know, you said I, I help people help themselves, right? Love that. I don't give people advice on their lives. I mean, that's not true. Sometimes I'll give advice. Yeah. When I'm stupid. Uh, <laughs> because my belief is that you and me and all of us are created with all the tools to heal ourselves. We just cloud the brain with the bad messages, right? That prevent us from trusting our intuition, our gut, our instinct, right? In the big book, it says, we will, right? We'll be able to trust our intuition, right? Um, we'll have that newfound happiness. We know. Ask any person, you know, that, I don't know, I, 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 that fell out of love or got divorced. Did you know the day before your wedding or did you know when you got engaged that it was the right, wrong move? That's good. Right? No, I didn't, but, <laughs> right? That's so uh, good. My gut, my, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't as happy as I should have been. Well, then you did know, right? Or I woke up the next morning and I looked out the window. I was like, mm, but I still went forward with it anyway. And that's it. That's it. What you just said on showing up for yourself is to lean into that. How that's many it. Times, how many times? You, you totally, totally agree. Something doesn't go well. Something doesn't go right. Relationship breaks down. Business fails. Organization fails. Country fails. Whatever. There's that spot, that critical moment where you knew, but you, but, but you, but you showed up for everybody else. You know, there's all there's a lot of great movies. That, you know where. You know, the brand's conflicted. And I think they, they sell so many tickets because so many people can relate. Totally. You know, that's good. Showing up, it's a good, that, that context of showing up for your gut, your intuition, your, and I, I often, you know, you can, we can look to the negative emotion, the sadness, et cetera, the pain, but, but really just, I love what you said, gut. Um, yeah. It rarely, in Adrian's gut, by the way, Asher, Mm -hmm. it's never a good idea for me to, to go against it. Not one time. We've been married coming on 14 years, and we dated for three. Known each other since we were 19 and 16. And not one time. And I'm 40. I just turned <laughs> 40. Nice. Not one time. It's been like, how, oh. about, how about that time yesterday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm still waiting on it. I think what's really cool about this, too, is that Sometimes people use the excuse that they don't have time to work on themselves because it sounds selfish. Um, but that's really the most important thing that you can do to love other people is to make sure that you're loving yourself first. And so it really takes away that excuse of it being selfish and that you, you, can, fo you can focus on yourself and make sure that you have time to really understand what is the pain that's happening? What's the story that I'm telling myself? 
And how do I turn that victim attitude into vic into victory so that you can show up for other people better? And I like it's that. Se it's selfish not to work on yourself. Yeah. And this time is a time where, you know, I said it's our team. I mean, everybody is getting self-imposed. You know, what you kind of described was prayer and meditation, this consciousness with this direction to go. There's a lot of people, lot of, no sports hardly, you know, a lot of distractions, you know, the bars are closed, you know, <laughs> a lot of distractions, um, ways in which we feel, maybe you know, people will call it the hole in the soul, uh, and those are gone. And so, you know, I don't know how much you study this, you know, one of the books uh, on my, they had me do a book club thing. I had to pick my top twelve. And, and so, uh, a David called "Can't Hurt Me," Navy Seal. But he talks about in that book this idea of the conversation with itself, right? And and that's really what you you had with yourself to be able to have integrity to turn the course from suicide to suicidal tendency to victory and the helpful and useful and so I just think that this is a great time maybe for folks including all of us to have those conversations with ourselves um, because what you're saying gently, what gently and kindly ask you have that conversation with yourself gently and kindly treat yourself if you have a child the same way you would treat your child hopefully that's the same way you'd want to treat your child, how does that <laughs> or, or the same way you would have wanted to be treated as a child, yeah. you know? So just be curious, be kind. Your, your, your story won't show up if you're tough on yourself. It won't. Mm. It'll show up if you're curious about it. Okay, I have one final question. What is one thing you hope everyone knows? If you have one thing, one thing to tell, each person, the world, what would it be? You're lovable. Nice. Let's do that. Let's show up lovable. That's it. You're lovable. Awesome. Well, Asher, this has been a true joy. Um, we uh, are for you, for, for what you're doing, uh, you know, and showing up in the lives of, of many. Um, and if there's anything that we can do uh, to continue to to cheer that on and, and help that effort, let us know. We really continuing to share, continue to share Adrian's beautiful smile. Yeah, there's a deal. <laughs> Thank you. Deal. Oh, I got to tell you, my nephew was born last month. Oh yeah. And his name's Asher. Oh, nice. On my fortieth birthday. Three so I tell tell him the blessing in the Bible. We'll end with this. Because there's no greater blessing than the blessing of Asher. The blessing in the Bible for Asher is, may Asher be satiated from a piece of bread, and may he serve his friends from the Feast of Kings. We will. Beautiful. Okay. May he be happy with the Volkswagen bug, and may he buy Rolls Royces for Uncle Johnny. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Asher, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Have a beautiful day. Thank Thanks, you. Ash. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Love the Process podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. It means so much when you leave us a review and share with your friends.
Bye.